thank God for the opportunity we have together today to enjoy just each other's company and the fellowship that we can have with one another, but also that we can enjoy the Word of God amongst us, and I pray that it will stir us into what He has for us. We've been uh, together on a journey as a church, talking about um, the fact that God has made all things new. A series that we've done for the last three weeks is called that. And uh, over the last two weeks, Kilton spoken about the new covenant. Clive followed up talking about what it means to be a new creation. And he used a word in his preach last week called unprecedented. And, and I'd like for us to discuss that together. And so the title of my message is Unprecedented Lives. And, and so before we can go into what that looks like, let's just define the word unprecedented a bit. And it really means that it's something that's never known of or never done before, never known before. And, and it has no previous instance. It is unexampled. And the opposite of this word unprecedented is common or normal, <laughs> which is not what God has called us to. He's not called us to a normal life. He's called us to an unprecedented life. So the, the, the opposite of that is then the word precedented, which really means the following. It's an early event or action that is regarded an example of guide to be considered in subsequent similar circumstances. So in other words, it's something that is done simply because it is the way it was done before. So therefore, the word unprecedented also means that it has no precedent. It hasn't got something to go back to. It is not controlled by, hap what, by what happened before. It is therefore completely new. God, therefore, has enabled us to live such a life, ladies and gentlemen, because of the most unprecedented thing ever to happen, which is Jesus becoming man and dying for our sin. Never been done before never seen before, unparalleled. And so when God calls us to an unprecedented life, it is because there was an unprecedented act of God that enables us to live this never been known of before, never done before. And so the Bible, we know this, we can read from Genesis to Revelation, it's filled with various unprecedented acts of God so that we can be prepared for this kind of life with Him. Let me just quickly mention one thing that Jesus, I mean, there's so many of them, there are hopeless of them, believe me. Um, it's beautifully illustrated in just Matthew 5, verse 16, where Jesus says, let your light shine before others. <laughs> it's unprecedented. <laughs> Never been done before. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the kind of life that he calls us to. So the aim of my, of, of, of my preach this morning is, is, just to help us to see three things. The first thing is that I want you to help, um, or what I, I want to help you towards is to find the reason we can live an unprecedented or new or unparalleled life. I want to talk about that. Then I want to help you see what a precedented or copy and paste life look like, <laughs> looks like. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about what the unprecedented life of a believer is possible to look like. And so I want to ask you to read with me from Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 32. And it's a beautiful portion of scripture where Paul takes us into what it means to live a life that is completely different than the previous life we've had before. 
It is unprecedented. And in here, he uses, what is it, like 15 verses to illustrate to us these three things that I've just mentioned that I want us to focus on. He shares with us the reason for an unprecedented life, and he shares with us what a copy and paste look life looks like if we just do it like it's always been done. And then finally, it helps us see what a completely new or an unprecedented life of a believer can look like. So let me dive into the middle portion first of all. In verse 20, Paul gives us the reason for an unprecedented life. And he says, but this is not the way you learned Christ. So before that, he had called or he had referred to what a copy and paste life looked like, with the old life, what it looks like, the life before Christ. And then he says, no, no, the life with Christ is possible, and we're going to look at that from verses um, 20, uh, 23 onward. And, and in between is tucked in there the reason why we can have an unprecedented life. And he says, this is not the way you've learned Christ. So in other words, the more you learn about Christ, the more you'll see what the opposite way of living can and should look like. And he says, this is the unprecedented life where it starts. When you learn about Christ, he actually carries on in verse um, 21. He says, assuming that you have heard about him, Christ, and were taught in him, Christ, as the truth is in Jesus. So he's saying, guys, everything is, is hinged on whether you have learned and you've heard, you were taught and found the truth that is in Jesus. We cannot live a different life without Christ. Every effort of my own will never lead me to an unprecedented life that is never done or known of before. It is only through Christ that I can enter into that fullness. And so Paul is saying to us very clearly, the reason for an unprecedented life is found in Jesus. In actual fact, if you read throughout Ephesians, you will find so many examples of what it means to, to, to recognize or what, what Jesus has done for us so that we can have this unprecedented life. He has said, he says to us in Philipp, in Ephesians 1 verse, verse 3, he says, we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so we have obtained an inheritance in verse 11, he says, so that we can live this full life that God has called us to live. And so we, you can read throughout chapters 1, 2, and 3 and just find so many examples, beautiful examples of what Christ has done so that we can learn Jesus, so that we can find the truth in him, so that we can live this life that is so different than the old life that we were born into. And so, first of all, the reason why we can have a different life is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. So let's just look at what Paul gives us as some examples of what an un or a precedented life can look like, the copied or the precedented life that actually we've been freed from. And so let's go back to the first verse that we want to focus on. He uses about 18 different illustrations or words to try to define for us what a precedented life or a copy and paste life looks like. And this is what we 
need to move away from because our old life is this, the new life that we found. Finding Christ is so opposite to this. But let's just quickly go through it. First of all, he uses words like, um, you must no longer walk in verse 17, chapter 4, says, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds and the emptiness and the purposelessness of their minds. He says, that's old life. That's old stuff. He says, they were darkened in their understanding. They had a blindness to the truth. They're not able to morally see. He says, guys, move away from this. Don't be stuck in in your understanding being darkened or being blind to the truth. He actually carries on and he says, being alienated, alienated from the life of God, which is actually means to be unfriendly towards God and, and distancing, distancing ourselves from God, which is so sad. And I think we've got to watch ourselves in this time where we've gone through the COVID season, where we've, in a sense, alienated ourselves from one another, the danger is that we can find that we enter into a distancing ourselves from God. Paul says that's that's old life. That's old stuff. Don't go back into that. Keep yourself from an alienation from God. He says in verse 18c, he says, actually, this is because of the ignorance that is in people, which really is a willful blindedness that we say, I, I choose to be darkened in my understanding. I choose to walk away from God. I, I can pretend to be godly. I can come to meetings even like this, this morning, and I can actually be distanced from God because I'm ignorant. I'm willfully choosing not to open my spirit to God and the things of God. And it's sad that we can be in a meeting like this and, and actually be distanced from God because of a willful decision that we make. He says, actually, there's also a sign of this is found in the fact that we can be hard on our hearts in 18, the last um, reference in 18, verse 18. He says, there's a hardness of heart, which is really a coldness and a disregard towards God. Uh, folks, I, I want to encourage you today. Don't, don't let any coldness in your heart exist because it makes you um, it resists the work of God and it actually also resists people from getting closer to you. He actually also talks about a callousness, a callousness in our hearts. He says in verse 19, they have become callous. Um, and, and a callousness is actually an insensitivity. We cease to care about our own spiritual growth. We cease to care about others in terms of their um, influence in our lives and, and what we can do for them and serve them. So all of these things lead to a, a desperate, desperate situation where we actually become isolated. It carries on. It's so sad. It doesn't stop there. It talks about an indecency where we, where we give ourselves up to sensuality, which is really licentiousness and immorality and a shamefulness where I don't care what other people think about me. I just do what I want to do. Well, if I want to sleep around, I'll do what I want to do. And, and so this, this understanding that's been darkened leads to particular fruit of my life. And this is one of them. It actually also carries on in verse 19, verse, in the um, third part of it, it says that we become greedy to practice every kind of impurity. How sad is that? That we're not only greedy, but be greedy to be impure. And, and it refers to a spiritual uncleanness. Not worrying what we allow into our spirits at all, but living with a desire or coveting or craving to be unclean. I mean, it just goes worse and worse, isn't it? Now, Paul says, this is the life that you shouldn't copy and paste. This is the precedented life. Your old nature says this is what you want to do. 
He talks about an old self in verse 22. It says, we need to put off the old self. Don't live under the weight of your past or former life. He carries on. He says, don't live with deceitful desires. Because that's the old life. Through corruption, you have deceitful desires. False longings that can never satisfy. Talks about a falsehood, that we live with a lie. Things that are untrue. We not only live, but we speak them. And then it talks about a, a bitterness that enters our heart, a resentment, a dissatisfaction. And dis These are old, precedented stuff. If any of this is evident in our life, then we're actually just copying, pasting what we had done and had before Christ came into our lives, before we got to learn about Christ. These are the things that we just copied and pasted. It finishes with these words in, in verse 31. Not only the bitterness thing, but it, it finishes with wrath, which is really rage, outburst of fury. It talks about anger, a swelled vengeance to punish. It talks about clamor, which is an, a loud outcry, a slandering, saying something to harm somebody else's reputation. Imagine that, saying something about somebody else. And most of the time it's about, it's not to. We don't necessarily say it to the person. We say it to others about them. If I, let's, let's not copy and paste this kind of behavior. Let's trust God for something new. And the last thing he talks about as a precedented life, as a old lifestyle pattern is malice, where we become cruel or wicked in the way we live. Sad, sad state of affair. But praise the Lord for verse 20 and 21, where it talks about the fact that we, when we learn Christ, these things ought not to be part of our lives. So what then ought to be part of our lives? What in is then, uh, what is the fruit of an unprecedented life? And that's lastly what I want us to focus on. So remember again the definition of unprecedented. It says it's never done or no, not before. It's without previous instance. It is completely unexampled. So this is what Paul says to us from verse 23, what this life practically can look like. He says it comes through a renewed mind in verse 23, where we complete a process of changing the way we think. And so when we copy and paste the way we were before we got to know Christ, we don't live with a renewed mind. But an unprecedented life bears the fruit of a renewed mind about God, about ourselves, and about others. And so the, 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 the test, in a sense, is to ask the question this morning, what are my thoughts about God? Are they fresh? Are they new? What are my thoughts about myself? What are my thoughts about others? Because they ought to be unprecedented. Something completely new, according to what the truth in the scripture teaches me. And so don't live with, with thoughts about yourself that you never amount to anything, that you're no good, that you'll be good, not good for anything. And the same about others. Well, that's the way he is. I'll just never trust that guy. Can't, can't whatever be in his company. Maybe God wants to challenge us about the way we think about not just ourselves, but about other people and pray for them and uh, love them towards something better and more. The second thing that, that Paul encourages us to have about a, an unprecedented life is a new self. In verse 24a, he says, we need to not only put off the old self in verse 22, but in verse 
24, he says that we need to put on the new self, which really means that all of the stuff that Jesus has done for us on the cross is in a sense conditional on the based on us believing them. It's, it's conditioned by our faith. If we don't believe them, it won't be real. See, the Bible says, Jesus says, you will know the truth. You won't just know about the truth, but you'll know the truth deeply in your heart. And it's once you know the truth, he says, that you will be set free. So again, my encouragement to you is, as you learn Christ, as you get to know who Christ is, as you get to know more about Christ, then you put on the new self. And it's a, a new, unused you. It's not the old self that was under the dominion of sin. It's a new self that is now in Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about our behaviors. In other words, we can talk about this new creation of what you are. The old things have passed away. But if you don't believe that, then the old things will still be the way that you live by. You will still copy and paste the old lifestyle. And you will still just kind of believe that that's just who you are. And you will never change. Jesus says, when I come to make you new, I'll make you new indeed. Unprecedentedly. The third thing that, that Paul says about this kind of life is that it's likened unto God. <laughs> this is completely unprecedented, unprecedented to be compared to God. Hey? <laughs> the behavior that God expects from us is made possible because we have His nature in us. We're not, we're not controlled by the nature of the old man. We're controlled by the nature of God that lives inside of us. How's this when Paul writes in Colossians 3 verse 10, he says this. He says, and have put on the new self. So that's again, we have to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So our new self is, is made possible because we grow in the knowledge of the image of our creator. So we are likened unto him. Then Paul says also in verse 24, um, see, he says, we can live righteously. He says, not only are we created after the likeness of God, we created in true righteousness and holiness. So we can live and act justly. We don't have any excuse to do the right thing because we have this ability to live unprecedented lives in God. And so we trust the Lord that we will be able to make a difference in this world in the midst of unrighteousness and evil because of his nature living in us. No longer the old nature living, but his nature so that we can live these unprecedented lives. We can also, in verse 24, it ends with this, the word holy. We can live holy lives. We can live lives that, that will act godly and bring honor to God in everything that we do, pleasing unto him a pleasing life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then it comes into some hardcore details about this new life that is unprecedented, where it says in verse 25 that we can not only move away from falsehood, but we move towards speaking the truth with our neighbors. So we are sincere and truthful about everything. We do not lie. He says, for we are members of one another. So that's an unprecedented thing. Where we used to be on our own, where we did things by ourselves, where we didn't care about each other, and, and, and that's the precedented life. But the unprecedented one is we love fellowship. We love to belong. We, we love to be part of a community. And that's why church is so incredibly important. And if we want to live under the old self dominion, we choose what is right for ourselves. But under the 
under the new self, where it's unprecedented, we say, others are important. So I want to reach out to others, and I want others to reach out to me. And this is one area where in, in society today, people are running away from, because they say, I don't need others. But you know, that's old self stuff. That's a precedented life. An unprecedented life says, I want to live with others. I want to live for others. And I want to make a difference. The practical outworking of this is also in verse 26 where it says, we are not, it says, be angry and do not sin. So it doesn't say we shouldn't be angry. It says, be angry, but do not sin in it. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. So it really talks about controlled anger. So in this community that we are living in, there's an unprecedented way in which we can live. Never known of before, where we don't express this extreme anger and we get furious with one another. But we become angry in the right way with the right things and we don't get angry in the wrong way at the unnecessary things. There are some things that people get an angry, getting angry about currently that are unnecessary things. And there are certain things that we should be angry, holy anger about, that we're not. We just allow certain things. But in the... Con in the context of family and fellowship, we say, you know what, I'm going to have controlled anger. I'm going to be angry about the things that I should be angry about, and I'm not going to become angry about the things that aren't necessary to be angry about. It's like, and you, you like blue clothes, I like red clothes. Why do we fight about that? That's, that's a thing that, that actually in Scripture we find often where it says, don't get involved in battles that you shouldn't. Choose wisely the battles that you enter. Then it also says in verse 27 that in the midst of an unprecedented life, we give no opportunity to the devil. So we're able to resist the enemy. We're able to say yes to, to righteous lives um, and, and, and say no to sin. Uh, when sin comes along, we can, we can say, no, I will not allow this. So we're able to resist the enemy um, by, by resisting certain patterns that we used to have a part of our lives in the old self but now under Christ and in Christ we can say no it also means that in verse 28 it says we let the thief it says let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need and so really it talks firstly about honest work <laughs> that it's not just repeating the law that says we should work six days, but it talks about how we should work. We work with an honor in our hearts and an honesty in our hearts. And as we do that and we earn wages, it says we work not just to have for ourselves, but we work with a generosity in our hearts to make available to share what we have. This is absolutely unprecedented. We live in a world where it says, hey, everything for yourself. But in Christ, when we learn Christ, we live with a generosity. It also means that we live with a different way of talking. In verse 29 to 30, it talks about godly speech. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, it says, for the day of redemption. So, so Paul is saying three things about our speech. He says, firstly, it should be good and suitable for the occasion should be relevant into the occasion that we're in, the context. It should be helpful and impart grace to those who listen to us. They may sit and hear us talk, but what they hear is so graceful and so encouraging that it imparts grace to them. They feel uplifted. And thirdly, it should not grieve Holy Spirit by the way we talk to others. 
and the way we talk about others. We always remember that whatever I say or think about others, I'm never alone. They may never be there, but Holy Spirit is. And it's in those moments that Paul is saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not let him be sad about what you are saying about others and to others. And most of the time, as I said, it's about others that we that, uh, that, that bad talk happens. It's not just to others, but it's about others. It finishes with three things that in verse 32, um, Paul encourages about this unprecedented life. It says, be kind to one another. So it means we've got to be gentle and pleasant. Treat people in the way that God treats us. God treats you and me, by the way, unprecedented. Never known of before. I mean, he's just come and so lavishly bestowed grace upon us. It says we need to be tender-hearted, full of mercy and compassion. It says we, we need to be forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. So as he treated us, we need to now treat people in the same way, in an unprecedented way. Keep on forgiving. I think Jesus introduced it or, or started um, helping us understand what an unprecedented forgiveness can look like when he said to Peter, forgive 70 times 7. That's just never been done before, never known of before. But this is the way you and I need to live. So I conclude by saying to us, in the middle of this precedented and this unprecedented life is this beautiful reality and truth of Jesus tucked in there that says, if you learn Christ, if you know the truth about him, you'll move away from an old life, the old self, and you'll move into a new self and you'll enjoy what God has for you. For me, it it is it's really wrapped up in what Jesus said in Matthew 9. We read about the story where he says, guys, I want you to not to put new wine into old wine skins. And he really is saying, there's something new that I'm bringing about, and it's my spirit working in you. It's a new nature. But you cannot let the old nature or the old way of thinking try to accommodate the new way of living. It's like an old container trying to put new wine into it. It cannot, it cannot accommodate that. He says you've got to have a new way of thinking so that the new wine of God's Spirit can come and blow wind into your souls and add value to your life so that you can live unprecedentedly. And so this morning as we prepare for communion, I want to ask you to open up your hearts to let the Spirit of God challenge you, help you understand that you don't have to copy and paste the old life and continue to live in that way. There's something completely new that he has for us, unprecedentedly. And it is possible through what Christ has done on the cross for us. It's not my effort that makes me control my anger or to be kind and tender-hearted towards people and being generous and honest, do honest work. It is only through Christ in me. But it is possible. It is certainly possible. So open up your heart this morning that if... If there's been old wineskins functioning in the way that you have been thinking and operating, ask God to forgive you. Change the way you've been thinking and let the new wine of his spirit come and change your thinking and subsequently your actions. Let us put off the old self. Let us put on the new man, the new woman that God has created us to be through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Father, I pray for that today. I pray that you will help us to live this kind of life, unprecedented life for you, that we'll walk away from the old and live in the new, the new that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, God. Amen.